Vaughn Marshall, a guy who has been in their rotation quite a bit. And Gloss down on strikes. A nasty breaking ball retires him for the second out. And chased a bad ball there. Marshall strikes out Nate McClough. But two today. And Marshall continues to throw the invisible ball. And another slow curveball freezes Martin Prado. And that's the fourth strikeout for Marshall. And another breaking ball. Self-defense just caught that liner. A good giddy up on that heater. Blew it right by Stubbs. Now he takes a peek at a breaking ball for a called strike three. Oh, he got it. Huh? On the breaker. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. Sunday mornings on the score. Some highlights of Sean Marshall. And last night, there were highlights of Sean Marshall talking about a game as he sat in for the uh, the ailing Jim Deshay. Sean Marshall of the Marquee in the Sports Network joins us right now on 670 The Score. Joins us on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline. Alpamonte Ford is in Melrose Park. Usually we see you doing pre and post with Cole Wright, but last night getting a chance to do the ball game. Good morning, Sean. How you doing? Well, good morning, Speeds, man. It's good to hear from you. Good to be on the show this morning. Uh, thanks for doing it. So, uh, yeah, J.D. hurt his knee golfing. No major surgery, though, I think. He's going to be coming back at some point, I believe. And it does sound like he may be back in the booth today. I know he's been ailing. He's uh, pretty much non-weight-bearing. But, you know, he's a tall guy like me, too. So if he can get create the angle under that desk, maybe kick that leg out to the side, he'll be in there back in the booth. It'd be nice to see that familiar voice back in there. But yesterday was... Such a thrill in a short relief role like I did several times in my career to fill in and sit next to the best in the business, in my opinion, Lynn Casper. He kind of guided the way, and he made me feel real comfortable. I had some nerves. It was almost like as much nerves as my major league debut. But as the game continued, settled in, I felt really good, and I really enjoyed talking Cubs baseball. Although it wasn't a Cubs victory, it was great to be up there and and to kind of feel where Santo was and Demp was there the night before and Harry Carey's booth up there it was really just a beautiful and a fun evening for me. And I really, really enjoyed it. That That's really cool, Sean, that you got to have that feeling of like, it, it it's its own version of I made it to the show, right? It's its own, it's its own yeah. version of, of, of your being right there. And for those who don't know, I mean, Sean Marshall um, from Virginia, went to VCU, and played for a couple of teams, but those Cubs, man, are, are deep in your blood, and here you are back working for Marquis, but this is how deep. Uh, Ernie Banks performed your wedding ceremony. Isn't that true, <laughs> Sean? It sure is, and Ernie, and I'm sure maybe you've met him, or I hope that you've met him, sure. or if you haven't, but his first sure. question is, how's your kids, and how's your wife? And I'm like, Ernie, you know, I'm engaged, but I did hear that you're an ordained minister and I challenged him I was like you want to marry my wife and I in December and and he's like sure and so <laughs> I didn't really think that he would make it I mean it was you know the, the timing unfortunately was around Santos passing so you know we were at the funeral and we talked it over and he was going to be in town for several more weeks and he made it and what a thrill for myself who you know, was drafted by the Cubs, and now the Cubs' blood runs thick through my body and here in my home here in Chicago on the north side. And my wife is also from Chicago, so on the north side. And so a lot of 
Cubs fans and her family, obviously Cubs fans and my family, and for everyone to go into the doors of our wedding venue and see Ernie Banks sitting at the bar waiting, <laughs> you know, buttoned up tight. And it was such a thrill for me and my family. And just you know, I have pictures on the wall. It's almost center cut right in our family room, right above the fireplace. And That's I think awesome. about him all the time. And I know that he's been watching from above on some of the Cubs' success thus far. So it's a really cool memory. And it was really nice to talk about it on the broadcast last night. And I know it also was some feel-good story for my wife as well. So she, we, we loved it. That's good stuff. So Sean Marshall, that's, that's some of the bona fides of how the man comes back here to the Cubs family. Hey, as, one, as more, part one, more, one more note I forgot to add in the yeah. broadcast. Yeah. The guy that was in the color seat the night before, my good buddy Ryan Dempster, also did a reading at our wedding. And, and Dempster doesn't get nervous. But I, I sent some nervousness when he was up there on the podium for a reading at our wedding. So he was also there along with several of my Cubs teammates. So I just had to get that plug in there before, because I didn't want to leave my, my boy Demp hanging. <laughs> See, you know, it, yeah, it's a big yeah. deal to be there at, at the wedding. It's like you can't screw that yeah, up, man. Fun. Yeah, you, you can't screw that up. You don't, <laughs> you don't get another crack yeah. at that. You can't be like, but you know what, it's all right. I, I got another at-bat tomorrow. <laughs> I'll, I'll come back and, and, and get that one again. It's, it's not yeah, how it works. Dent's a stud yeah. at everything he does, and he, he, he was a, very entertaining, as you can imagine, uh, after the wedding. <laughs> I bet, I bet. Um, I, I, need to, I need to thank you for the initial Craig Kimbrell mechanics breakdown which kind of led us all in on the issue that was happening for Kimbrel with the arm slot kind of lowering and how it how it was affecting him. Since then, David Ross talked about it. Tommy Hadovy talked about it. Uh, good stuff. And now the last three times out, Kimbrel has been much, much better. The fastball has that ride or carry that you're really looking for from the four-seamer and he's thrown the curveball for strikes. Do you see, um, you see the mechanical improvement for him? Sean. Yeah, and I hardly want to take any credit for the work that, you know, for me giving my insight because I'm sure it was definitely he's been well coached in his career as a major leaguer. He's one of the best in the business at being a closer. He's just so entertaining to watch. And I remember being on the other side with the Cubs or with the Reds and Atlanta Braves, and he'd come in to sweet child of mine, and the game was over when he entered the ball field. It was just incredible. But I'm starting to, to sense that from him. And he's back on track. And what I talked about with him, and you see the result in some of the pitches, especially the breaking ball, when it gets horizontal and it's sweeping from right to left, that just means that your body is kind of pulling it with it. And he's pulled it, he was pulling off, in my opinion, to the first base side and just kind of pulling everything with it. And when you're throwing rotational, it's very hard to execute that exact release point. And pitching's hard enough already, but if you're creating rotation – and trying to pitch in a spin, essentially. Mm. It's hard to find that, that consistent release one. But the last three starts, he's been money, and the results are showing the backspin on the fastball, the carry, the finish, especially. Like, even the fastball down, it looks like it's going to bounce off the plate, and it rides, and it finishes, and it has the carry in the bottom of the zone. If he can do that, along with establishing that he can throw his breaking ball for strikes early in the count, he's back to the two-pitch it's just plus plus pitches, the fastball curve. They're amazing pitches, and the success starts from him throwing strikes with definitely the breaking ball, but commanding the fastball. But he's been a pleasure to watch in a in an evolving bullpen. Jeffress has been outstanding down there, and I watched yesterday. I was sitting in the booth for a few hours for a game, and they they they're catch partners, and they work and they talk, and you can see it. And 
there's a great relationship there. And it, that, those veterans, both of them 10 or 11 years in the big leagues, are rubbing off on some of the younger arms. You see Tapera starting to shine. Sadler stuff looked really good last night. And that, even though Dwayne Underwood gave up the two long balls with two outs and both in two-strike counts, I thought his stuff is starting to play up as well. So the bullpen is, is on the mend. I mean, they, they started off obviously very slow, and the ERA was very high. But it's ticking down, and I, and I believe going forward it's going to continue to be a strength. But the White Sox lineup, I mean, I'm sure, speak we're going to talk about that, but it, that was, <laughs> they, they are shining right now. And I've really, in my big league career, and I've watched a lot of games, not as many as some, but it is phenomenal, and I've really never seen anything like it as far as the power prowess that these guys are displaying. Well, let's talk about that, Sean, because that, that's the story of the weekend. As we're talking to Sean Marshall from Marquee, is the 11 homers in two games, the 27 homers they've hit the last seven games. It, it feels like last year's twins a little bit as you will look and say, man, they just – and and the Cubs are not hitting hitting home runs, but let's talk about that White Sox lineup. There's a lot of there's a lot of daunting power hitters in there. Are there different styles too? Like if you're a starting pitcher going against them, you know Luis Robert swings early, Tim Anderson swings early, Abreu might work a count, Encarnacion might work a count, Grandal will. I mean, it's like what 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 is what's especially daunting about thinking about the entirety of that lineup one through nine, Sean? Well, I pitched similar to John Lester. You know, I threw the cutter, the curve, some change-ups, the sink it, you, you know, you pound it in. But they're, they're feasting on left-handed pitching. And I, in my opinion, if I was the pitch against the White Sox, I probably would have a very similar result, unfortunately, as John Lester did on game one. Hmm. But it's the depth. It's the ability to hit the ballpark out. And I'm looking at their, last night's lineup. I mean, every single guy, including Mendick at the bottom, at any time can launch the ball to the ballpark. And the ballpark – at Wrigley Field has been playing very small. The wind's been blowing out. But the balls that they've been hitting, they're no doubters. They really are. And the approach is there. And some guys swing early. you got more disciplined guys like Grandal. Moncada's had some nice at-bats and went deep in some counts last night. And Tim Anderson, if he goes, they go. And he's a great catalyst and obviously an outstanding hitter with the batting title last year. Just setting it all up. The speed. I mean, he didn't hit the ball hard his first two at-bats, and there were both singles just – because of speed. It was funny to see Rizzo mic'd up, you yeah. know, and he, he whispers over to, to Anderson, you know, speed, speed, uh, speed doesn't slump. And that was pretty yeah. cool to hear the mic'd up portion last night on the marquee broadcast, but it's a very intimidating lineup and hitting's contagious. And right now they've, they've got the fever. They are swinging it and they're comfortable. They, the White Sox seem to be having fun. Hmm. And with this, COVID season, it's just so unique because there's no fans in the ballpark to motivate, and they're motivating from each dugout, and the Cubs were, have been doing it in recent weeks. This week hasn't been going as well as ha- it had been, but the energy comes from within. I mean, that when I was sitting at the ballpark on Friday, I came in early to do a couple innings with Demp and Lynn, innings five, six, and seven to kind of get my feet wet on how it feels and how the microphone operates and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And usually when John Lester or the starting pitcher pops out of that dugout, the crowd goes crazy. And as the pitcher walks out into the outfield, the bleachers go crazy. And then he runs out to right field to get loose, and the right field bleachers go crazy. I miss that part of this COVID season with no fans. You know? But the energy is there. The product, obviously, on both sides 
is there, the competitiveness. And if I was in this situation and having the opportunity to pitch with no fans, which I did in a game in Iowa uh, on an interesting circumstance with some flooding there. It was a game we played back then hmm. with no fans. But you create the energy, and, and each player on the ball field, on both sides, and whoever opponents come in and wherever the Cubs go to, it's a competitive pride thing, and they want to be out there, and they want to compete. And each goal is obviously to win the World Series. I mean, personal performances, as Rizzo talked about in the postgame a few weeks ago, you kind of put that in the rearview mirror. It's, a, it's the team effort. It's, it's the, the team wanting to win and the individual wanting to win. The results may not be there, plus the numbers won't be there in 60-game season in the first place. But it's cool. it's cool to see that these guys can still perform with no fans because it's a huge part of this Crosstown series. I mean, the fans bring it. And yeah. my first game on the south side and on the north side, Cubs, Sox, I mean, the energy, the the buzz in the ballpark, the buzz in the communities, they bring it, and it's a special time when these two teams play, especially in this circumstance. They're both doing great. And it, I missed that part of the game, but the product has been good. It's been really fun to watch. Yeah, there's a lot there, Sean Marshall. Talking to Sean Marshall from Marquee Sports Network, I'm told that Ryan Dempster will be in the booth today with Len Casper, and Jim Deshays will be back tomorrow. Um, so. Okay. And, but but Demp, like, I, I mean, excuse me, Sean, I just called you Demp. Sean, yeah. as I'm watching the game, it's a better experience at home watching on TV than it is at the ballpark, isn't it? Because it, it, there you are getting struck by the, the soundlessness. But I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the broadcast. I think the, the, the fake crowd has been doing very well. I, I, there, yeah. There's a lot to, to enjoy about, about that. When you're there, though, let's talk about that lack of energy and how it really is affecting Javier Baez, in, in my opinion, because you see his relationship with the fans when you watch them play, you, for, for good and for bad. Yeah. And, and as you watched last night, I was wondering, those two bad throws in the third inning, I, I talked about it last hour. I'm hoping that maybe there's a little bit of a turning point there because you can't bring that out to the field. You cannot bring your offensive struggles out to the field. And his three at-bats after yeah. that were much better. There's a walk and there's a single. Yeah. And sometimes you need, sometimes you need like the 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 shame of the crowd, or you need the feeling of man, I can't let these people down. If you have that kind of relationship with the crowd, and I think Javi does. Yeah, I agree with that. And he's a superstar. And the superstar players, they want to perform live in front of big audiences. And he's one of those players. And I do believe that you're exactly right, Speaks that. Yeah, he, he feeds off the crowd. He and like at Wrigley Field in particular in the eighth inning with Javi Baez that we've seen it so many times over the past few years. He thrives in those late inning moments when the crowd's on their feet and the energy is being sent to him in the batter's box. Mm-hmm. And it's not there, but it's gonna be about him to, to it's again, it's 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 Kimbrel like. He's had so much success in his major league career and he's there's been very little times where he's had weeks of not having success. And this is one of them. And it's, yeah, on the the defensive side, if you're not hitting, you're not driving guys in and getting contributions in the batting order, you you can't bring it out on defense. And just, it's it's not like Javi Baez. He's a superstar infielder. He's fantastic with the glove. He makes plays that most players cannot make. He's terrific. But yesterday, just, I think he got a little bit lazy. You know, there's there's some speed involved. Some of the runners, I'm not sure, particularly on, on that play. But you can't take it off on defense, and you know even if you're not, it's like Soriano, like he 
wasn't the best left fielder, but he would drive in more than he would let in. And, and that, that, that phrase, you know, so, but mm-hmm. if he starts to do that and continues to just push on defense, the hits are going to come. He's a pro, he's a superstar, he's a, he's MVP caliber player and it's tough to see him struggle, but it's just a matter of time before he really gets back on track. Hey, Sean, you dominated the White Sox. 12 games, 104 plate appearances, an OPS against of 644, Sean Marshall. That's pretty good. Sixth best among the teams you faced at least 10 times. Um, Any guess as to who you were the best against? I I know the two teams who had an OPS against of you about 500. Like you dominated a couple of teams. Any guesses? You know, I faced some of the big boppers. Uh, I know I had Tommy in there and faced Konerko a couple times, which those guys are just phenomenal. But I remember pitching to A.J. Brzezinski as well, too, and he was he was a swinger. He was a free swinger, and I remember getting some weak contact to him. I'm not sure exactly who I yeah, may have no, the best I, numbers against, but and do you know? <laughs> Can you yeah, tell me? Yeah, no, I meant, I meant other teams, the Braves and oh, the Pirates. Oh, okay, sure, yeah. Yeah, you, oh, the you, Braves. You, I, I had good success against the Braves. That that's probably a team up towards the top. Pirates, I faced a lot. Cardinals, yep. I faced a lot too. I would come in for, you know, Edmonds and uh, Pujols and Rick Ankeel. There were some some batters in there that I had some pretty su- good success in particular too. But hmm. I, I again going back to the Cubs Sox, the vibe in the ballpark that. And yeah, with the no fans. If there was no fans, that stuff drives. It would drive me personally, especially at home late in the game. I pitched a lot in the seventh, eighth inning in some of those high leverage situations. And you feed off that energy. And in this season, it's so it's so unique. It's different. But the crowd noise does help, like you said before, Speed. It makes it feel like a real life ball game, and it is a real life ball game. But you know, but yeah, it's fun. The Cub Sox is always fun, but. Yeah, I enjoyed pitching. I enjoyed pitching often. I didn't have as much much success as a starting rotation guy as I did in the bullpen because I liked the regular work. I liked coming out and pitching consecutive games, sometimes three games in a row. Yeah, you ended up enjoying that. that. I was built built for that role, and I I just took it and, and ran with it and had the most fun I possibly could with it. Yeah. Um, last thing for you, Sean. I really appreciate the time. I'd, um, paint me the picture. You're uh, your closer for the Reds in 2012 at the beginning oh, yeah. of the year. <laughs> some hard throwing kid shows up. Some, good, he, some guy. <laughs> yeah. He, he, it's, this kid shows up and, and takes that job from you. The audacity to take a closer oh, job. Yeah, from... I, I, I wanted to go back to the eighth inning speech. Because uh, that. This yeah, tell, tell us about awesome. seeing seeing Araldis Chapman yeah. for the first time. Tell us about that. Chappie. I mean, it was – and he's a freak athlete. I mean, this guy, he could run – he could play for the Bears wide receiver. He could he could run next to Usain Bolt, maybe. He's got that kind of athleticism, the speed. But that big left-handed arm that he has, I mean, he is a freak of nature. And I was pitching – I came over. I was a, a more of a veteran established guy than he was at the time. He was in development. He was developing the breaking ball he throws and the split finger changeup at the time. And I'm pitching in the ninth inning, throwing 88 to 91 and just kind of thumbing balls up there with curves and sliders. You know, I've had a little bit of success. And, and, it, and then the guy before me is sitting at 101, 104. The crowd goes crazy every time he comes out of the gates. I'm scratching my head like, you know, this is the closer. I'm just going to kind of 
sit back here and, and compete and do my best in the ninth inning role. I got a few saves over there, but I think it was like the Yankees series. We played an AL uh, interleague matchup in Yankee Stadium, and I came in to maybe close or something, and he came in to – maybe I came in vice versa. Maybe I came in – and he came in right after me, and he blew the doors off of every batter he faced. <laughs> and after that day, I, you know, I kind of went in the office. I'm like, kind of look at – Dusty Baker and our pitching coach Brian Price. I'm kind of like, I mean, I was pretty good at seventh and eighth inning, and this guy, I mean, he shouldn't be pitching before me. And he ended up, we swapped roles, and then I got settled back into the, my my setup role, and I enjoyed that, and I enjoyed just being teammates with him. And and he came over here to the Cubs, as we all know, in '16, and was a, a vital part of them winning the World Series, which was much long in the making and Mm -hmm. it was great to see him here in a Cubs uniform. You know, I I was, I thought he was a great teammate. You know, we we were able to, I actually helped him with his breaking ball some because he noticed that I had a pretty good curve ball, but just one quick story in the bullpen, he would throw a softball, like a squishy softball to get loose against a brick wall. And I was injured at the time sitting in the back of the bullpen. I didn't want to be sitting in the bullpen, but I wanted to be there for the guys to talk it over. And he would throw that ball against the wall to get loose. And a couple times, like I was just sitting in the back, he would throw it above my head, you know. And you're talking about like oh. seeing your pants kind of scared this ball coming in, <laughs> it just sizzling, you know. And I, I would just laugh. And but he oh. was a character, and he's gone on to do really good things in the major leagues. And he's just he hasn't lost much. He still sits at 100, and you know he's developed the, the importance on how to pitch, especially with the breaking ball and. The, Hitters are good. You'll see the guys, they can turn around 99, 102 if you don't set it up with other pitches. And he's been doing that. And he's he was a great teammate, and I enjoyed playing with him. Yeah, it's uh, no shame in losing a closer job to Araldus Chapman. It sounds like you actually walked yeah. in and, and suggested it as well. Yeah. Hey, Sean, this was I fun, man. Thanks. my head. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hey, this was fun. Thanks so much, Sean. Appreciate it very much. Hey, thanks, Steve. I appreciate you having me on. You got it. That's Sean Marshall from Marquee, does pre and post usually with Cole Wright. Ryan Dempster in the booth today with Len Casper and Jim Deshays will be back tomorrow. We have a Cubs lineup, which I'll give you after the break. Do we have a White Sox lineup, too? We'll look for it. And if we do, we'll give you both of those lineups when we come back on 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I remember sitting out in the bullpen and uh, make sure we had binoculars so we could set the over-under at about three and a half on how many melees would break out in the upper deck. Yeah. Or at home plate, Dem. <laughs> <laughs> or at home plate. Hi, AJ. I know you're watching. Some marquee the other night. Dempster and Marshall and Casper talking about AJ Przinsky. Looking forward to talking to AJ at 11 o'clock. Talk a lot of White Sox with AJ and talk about his life and career as well as Cubs Sox. The Sox now 64 and 60 against the Cubs. So you've got that in terms of bragging rights. 
Um, I'm going to give you the lineups for today's game as Hugh Darvish goes against Dylan Cease. Big day for Dylan Cease with a chance. He said yesterday if he can have uh, any of the success that his trade partner Eloy Jimenez has had, then he will do just fine. Here's who he will face. Hap, Rizzo, Baez back at three. I told you. That middle of the game yesterday, I'm thinking, man, you got to demote him and, and give him a, you know, smack him in the head just a little bit and mentally, <laughs> not physically, but just to try to motivate him, move him down the order, do something. But then I thought he had a very good second half of that game after the embarrassing two throws. So Javi back batting third, then Schwarber, Contreras, Hayward, Caratini, who's been swinging the ball well, Nico Horner at third base, no David Bodie, who has started to strike out like crazy of late after a good start for him, and Jason Kipnis at second base against Dylan Cease. You Darvish is the pitcher, and he has been terrific. Absolutely one of the best pitchers in baseball to this point. And, boy, um, Cubs need length, and they need some dominance over the incredibly powerful White Sox bats. What's that Sox lineup look like, Sean Anderson? Uh, basically what it's been is Juan Moncada there. He looked like he might... He might be able to use a day off. Looked a little slow again yesterday, but everybody else has been rolling. Yeah, he had that weird play in the last uh, at last at bat against the Tigers, where he came up uh, running down the first baseline. But he's back in the lineup, uh, batting first and playing shortstop is Tim Anderson. Batting second, playing third base is the aforementioned Yoan Moncada. Batting third and at the designated hitter spot, that is Yasmani Grandal. Batting fourth. Uh, the red-hot first baseman, Jose Abreu. Batting fifth, left fielder, Eloy Jimenez. Batting sixth, center fielder, El Pantera, Luis Robert. Batting seventh, catcher, James McCann. Batting eighth, right fielder, Nomar Mazzara. And ninth, second baseman, Danny Mendick with Cease on the mound. All right, there you go. Um, so Cease versus Darvish, that coming up later today. Um, I asked earlier at the beginning of the hour, um, and, and I want to hear from you guys at 312-644-6767 and you girls, of course, you, everybody um, want to hear from you. Is there buzz for this series for you? How is it manifesting? If so, because the cruel irony of fanlessness is that you don't get to, you know, hang out and talk to each other and go at each other with this. I, I asked on Twitter as well. Got some good responses on Twitter. Got a couple of good responses via text and wondering how this has gone for you and what you have done to kind of express yourself or feel connected to these games as you're watching on TV. Um, because it's, it's been very, very odd. Um, a couple folks on Twitter, all of the text threads, all of them. Majority of my family and extended family are Cubs fans. I'm a Sox fan. We've been texting each other all weekend. They had plenty to say earlier in the week, but they've been damn quiet this weekend. I feel like I've had four Monster Energy drinks and a Jolt Cola. That's Patrick on Twitter. He's feeling the buzz that way. Because, yeah, it is... There's a jump. There's a jump up in the feelings. and Because everybody knows what you are. Everybody can see it and sense it. Cub fans know what this feels like because it's 2015 all over again in so many ways. White Sox 2020 feels like Cubs 2015 in terms of where you are on the arc, your bonus year. You bring in, the White Sox do, a veteran solid lefty pitcher 
with a World Series ring and the bona fides to talk about stuff. And he has talked about stuff, has Dallas Keuchel. Just like the Cubs brought in John Lester. And it's been building and brewing, and now you're getting it. Now you're feeling it. I'm seeing some of the guys on Twitter, like Wright Sox. That's Tom Fornelli. I can see the glee with which he tweets, with which he types. I feel like I can see the smile as he types up these things and shows the White Sox on top in home runs, on top in weighted on-base average, tops in home run rate. Home run percentage, White Sox, number one ahead of Yankees, Padres, Dodgers. Dodgers, by the way, first team in baseball to get to 20 wins, the best team in the game, the Dodgers. Weighted on base average, the White Sox are second to the Yankees with the Mets and the Padres up there. Boy, the Padres are something. And the Padres have some good young arms too, man. That's why they might be a buyer. They might be a buyer if there's going to be many buyers in the trade deadline. It's another thing I want to discuss with you along the way here. The 312-644-6767. A texture says, I can honestly say I'm jealous. See? Another text. The White Sox have taken away my Cubs buzz this weekend. Good for you. Admit it. Feel it. The truth is the truth. You guys hear Anthony Rizzo after the game last night talking about the White Sox? He knows what it looks like when a young team comes together and the veteran first baseman who's been good for a while all of a sudden looks through the lineup and has all kinds of help. Listen to Rizzo from last night talking about the White Sox. Yeah, um, I, I don't know a lot. I know they're very talented and I mean, they got they got good arms, good additions um, and they're they're playing really well right now and they got. They're, they grind. Uh, they, their bats are very competitive at all times, even when they're making outs. Um, and, and Abreu has been the staple there for, for a lot of years, for eight, eight plus years, I believe. So he does it year in and year out and the team is, the team has been building and there's been a lot of hype and it's, it's obviously tough to be on the losing side of it, but when you see teams come together like that, it's, uh, it could be scary. Yeah, it can be scary. And right now, as you look at uh, the Major League Baseball standings, I think it is it, it is pretty scary. And the White Sox are there at 17 and 11, half game behind the Indians at 17 and 10. Minnesota is 18 and 10. This is the best division in the game. Those three teams. There is no division that has three teams that good in terms of their record, and I would argue in terms of your eye test. Cubs are 16-10, and 10, still three games up on the Cardinals, who've played only 16 games. The Reds at 11-14, and 14, Milwaukee at 11-14. and 14. The only other division with three teams above 500 is the East, where the Tampa Bay Rays are 18-10 and 10 in first place. Over the Yankees, who've had their entire series with the Mets canceled because of positive tests for the Mets. And the Toronto Blue Jays at 13 and 12, playing their home games in Buffalo. Have you checked out the Blue Jays lineup from one through nine lately? All those kids, all those sons of greatness, Kevin Biggio and Vlad Jr. And especially Bo Bichette. Woo, Bo Bichette. Blue Jays rolling at 13 and 12. Oakland, we knew was going to be good, and they are at 19 and 9, the best team in the American League West. But those Dodgers are just, 
those Dodgers are, are, are super special. Just, I mean, they have the offense, they have multiple MVPs. They've got Kershaw, Walker Bueller last time out. He finally was great. And as a fantasy owner who has been enduring Walker Bueller, he finally was great. And what did he say, Sean? He said, I just decided I wanted to stop pitching like bleep, essentially. Yeah, that, kinda, that was the exact quote. Yeah. Just, you know, it was time to stop. Yeah, thank you. But the, and for so the Dodgers have him. Has has anybody watched Bruce Star Greaterall pitch in their bullpen? Anybody watched that guy? I mean, he, he, Bruce Star Greaterall has has changed their bullpen, and Kenley Jansen has added pitches. He has gotten older and added pitches and become more wily because he needs to be. But my goodness, that is a very 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 good team. I want to talk about the trade deadline, what the Cubs and Sox might need, and uh, what a trade on Friday night might have taught us about what this deadline is going to be. Also, we'll update you on a very weird Bears and NFL situation this morning. We'll update you on that next. And A.J. Pruszynski, top of the hour on 670 The Score. Crosstown traffic indeed, although no people, so no cars really. The train's not full, probably. I haven't taken a train in a while. Taking a bus a couple of times during the pandemic with a mask on, of course. Hope everybody's doing good. It's hit and run on 670 to score. And I want to talk about the trade deadline in a moment, but got some phone calls here. Let's talk to Jim in Grays Lake. On 670, the score. Jim, you're on hit and run. Good morning. What's happening? Hey, good morning, Matt. Um, so I think the, the thing I miss the most about the in-person buzz, well, first of all, is, is, our, is our best friend in the whole world, Lynn Bramer. I sit right by him at Wrigley. Hmm. Um, but oh, I think what's really allowed me to have that buzz so far in this series is texting with my, my friends who are White Sox fans, um, stepdad, a couple of friends, and just taking a step back and having a true appreciation of how exciting this White Sox team actually is. And you, you nailed it with, like, comparing it to 2015. I said the same thing last night. I mean, they're just – they're young, they're hungry, they're fun, they're energetic. It's, it's pretty wild. And even as a Cubs fan, I can just take that step back and appreciate that because there's not the, uh, the usual rancor and, uh, and fighting in the stands. Yeah, Jim, thanks for the call, man. Yeah, you can see it. There was a moment Friday night when Tim Anderson and Abreu and Eloy are just yucking it up in one corner of the dugout. And I'm looking like, man, those guys, they, they just they have that optimism. They got that feeling that it's all in front of them. I saw it in March. Was there in the locker room in, in Arizona for one day. Felt it. Saw it. All those guys, just, a, just the, the energy, man. They just know. They know they're good. And they know that if they don't get it done this year, maybe they'll get it done next year. Maybe they'll get it done the year after that. It's just a completely different feeling. You know what it's like being on the new side of a relationship, being on the new side of a job. It's uh, it's 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 the, the the life cycle, the life cycle of a baseball team or a winning window when you see it all coming together. We know what it looks like. And that is what it looks like. Mike is on the north side and is now on hit and run on 670 The Score. What's up, Mike? How are you? Hi, thanks for taking my call. It's a great morning to be a White Sox fan. Yeah, I I'm, bet. I'm thinking the only the only person that's having a worse time this week 
that the, the Cubs had this weekend is poor Jerry Reinsdorf. He's got an exciting team that's winning, that's crushing the ball, and because of the pandemic, he can't sell a single ticket. I feel so sorry for the guy. He's finally got the team he wants that's exciting, and the poor guy's going to go broke. <laughs> Wait, I'm trying to try to gauge where the sarcasm level is uh, in there. Um, so your sarcasm level one to ten, Mike? Not sarcastic at all. I, I, the guy's waited so long. He's waited 15 years for a season like this. Yeah, the, but he's not going to go broke. He's not going to go broke, though. Yeah. I, 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 th- thank you for the call. Thank you for the call. He's it, it, he's got to be sarcastic about that. Um, it, it's it's tough to uh, find people with uh, a lot of sympathy for for a Jerry Reinsdorf, but I'll tell you this much: <laughs> there there are lots of people within that organization that that I do feel bad for. There are some really good, hardworking folks in that organization who have busted their hump. And have been ready to reap the benefits of a really good team. Should be selling more tickets than they have in years right now. The churro sales should be through the roof. The craft beer should be flowing. Absolutely. It is It is a damn shame. And um, I can think of many people in the organization who I, who I feel bad for. Um, <laughs> for that caller... Jerry's the one. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, you try to time it out if you're the Sox. And, and, and you end up with this. <laughs> it's, it's brutal in that way. It absolutely is. So will the Sox be a buyer here at the trade deadline? Will they go and get something if they need it, like a starting pitcher or, um, or, or like a specific kind of bullpen piece? The Phillies made a deal they're the worst bullpen in the game. So th- the worst bullpen in baseball, everybody knew it in the offseason. They still had a bad bullpen. And lo and behold, they still have a terrible bullpen. ERA above eight. So they trade for two Red Sox guys on Friday. Brandon Workman and Heath Hembry. Uh, one of them's a free agent to be in Workman. The other one, they have another year of control. They gave up a very talented 27-year-old pitcher they have not been able to figure out in Nick Pavetta and a 24-year-old minor leaguer who's kind of a fringe prospect. But two, you know, he is an arm who might be able to start for the very bad Red Sox next year. Um, The Phillies also got $800,000 from the Red Sox. The salaries of Brandon Workman and Heath Hembree for the rest of the year amount to a little over $1 million. And they got eight hundred dollars from the Red Sox. Money is a massive factor in this weird-ass trade market with no fans and no real income. And if you have a little bit of financial freedom, oh, you can get all kinds of stuff in this market. This is a market for buyers like crazy. So who are the buyers? The Phillies makes a lot of sense because they're paying for Bryce Harper. They're paying for all their other guys. They got to try and be good. And even right now, they should try and be good. How about the Reds, who you thought were going to be good, but are right now 11 and 14? How about the Cubs trying to hold on and and win in what might be the final stand for this batch of position players, or at least in their mind? I don't know if that's going to be the case or not, because in part of the changing face of economics and baseball. And then how about the White Sox? It, it, here you are. You're this good. How good can you be? 
How much better can you be? What do you need? If you get into the playoffs, can you win? Should you go out and get a little more? It's, it's very tricky. And frankly, the financial situation that is, a, that is hurting a lot of teams right now um, is, does not lead me to think that the White Sox are going to be very aggressive. I would, I would tend to think they are not going to be very, very aggressive. <laughs> and and that's, that's unfortunate. That may bother you. But the upside of making a deep playoff run with the added income and the added excitement of games and fans and stands, it just it doesn't exist. So is it worth it for some of these buyers to spend money, to spend assets on getting better in a year when the playoffs won't have any humans in attendance? It's, it's not an easy answer. 670 the score. Texters getting in. Uh, that was a good call till he brought up Jerry going broke. Poor little Jerry. Um, <laughs> for um, it, it, oh, I mentioned the Bears situation. Let me let me update you on that just so you know. There were a glut of positive tests, positive COVID tests for lots of different teams that came in this morning. Apparently, all from one testing facility in New Jersey for the NFL, a bunch for the Jets, a bunch for the Bears, a lot of positive tests. And the NFL is thinking, hoping, praying that it is about the testing facility and something that has gone wrong. The Bears say they have confirmed that their nine positive tests were false positives. I don't know how they confirmed that that fast. Did they use the lab in Minnesota? that they've been using to try and get confirmation on the test? Did they send over there? Did they do new tests? That kind of thing. But there were only four people who had tested positive in all of the NFL camps as of last night. Four! And this morning, there's a ton more, but the league is saying they think it's a testing facility issue, and the Bears are saying that their positives are false positives. They have moved practice to this afternoon. If there's any update on that situation, we will bring it to you. That is for sure. You're listening to Hit and Run. Cubs Sox is the conversation. And the Cubs Sox series that's going on right now is leading to conversation that is uh, brought to you on the score by Xfinity. Xfinity X5 delivers blazing fast Wi-Fi with no curveballs. I'm on until 12.20. Zach Zabin with an hour of pregame. Then it's Cubs Sox on the score, followed by Zach Zabin's postgame, followed by Mully and Haw with a special post-post for the Cubs Sox series. When we come back on Hit and Run, A.J. Przinski of Fox and formerly of the White Sox and the Giants and the Twins and the Cardinals, and the Red Sox, and the Rangers. Yeah, all that happened late in his career. But we'll talk to AJ next about the White Sox and much more here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.